So one of the things we've seen is that as rates have risen, we've seen REITs uh, really actually reduce the amount of debt they're issuing uh, because they don't have a lot of debt coming due immediately. So they've got a lot of flexibility to deal with a higher rate environment. I'm Chris Hill, and that's John Worth, Executive Vice President for Research and Investor Outreach for NAREIT, the National Association of Real Estate Investment Trusts. Deidre Woolard and Matt Frankel caught up with Worth to talk about how REITs are feeling the effects of rising interest rates, why more of them could be taken private, and which sectors are showing some promise in a challenging environment. We're long-term investors here, but we're reaching the end of another earnings season. Was there anything in this quarter that surprised you about overall REIT performance? Well, I think I wouldn't necessarily say it's a surprise, but we've seen uh, this consistent, strong operational performance where REITs are, are delivering earnings. So for the second quarter, REITs had uh, total FFO, which is the REIT measure of earnings, funds from operation. And they had, had total FFO over $19 billion. So that was a, a record high. Um, and, and, and a number of the, the sectors uh, are, now, are now virtually all the sectors of, of the REIT space. And we could talk a little bit about the diversity of property sectors within REITs later. But, but most of them are now, now have total FFO that's above their pre-COVID levels. So we've really seen a very significant recovery from COVID um, and frankly, that operational performance, I think if there's anything that's the surprise, it's that this really we've seen this gap between the strong operational performance in a year like most equities. Uh, it's been a t- it's been a tough year for REITs. REITs are down about about 12 percent for the year. So, so there's really a divide between what we're seeing coming through the earnings statements and again, how REITs are how REITs are getting valued in the stock market today. You mentioned the covid pandemic, and I wanted to kind of expand on that a little bit. We've seen, you know, the stock market, as you said, has kind of been on a downtrend lately. And kind of the the short way to say what you just said is that the the business results don't always match the the stock price performance. And that's what we're seeing in the real estate. So COVID affected real estate subsectors in a lot of different ways. Um, I mean, industrial demand for industrial properties is off the chart because of e-commerce. Some other ones like retail had to shut down for a while because of COVID. What do you think are the lasting effects of the COVID pandemic on the, on the real estate space? And what were, the, as opposed to the kind of temporary effects like the retail shutdowns? So, you know, I, I think there's there's going to be a couple lasting effects. One, one I think, I'm not sure if it's an effect, but I put it down under lessons, uh, is really the critical role of having a well-diversified portfolio of real estate. As you, as you know, mentioned, we had some sectors that were really hard hit in the beginning of the, in, at the beginning of the pandemic, as, as we were shut, essentially shutting down uh, a lot of in-person activity in, in the economy. So, so hotels and, and leisure, retail, healthcare was, was, was hard hit, uh, obviously. Uh, but we had other sectors uh, you know, industrial and logistics properties, which are which are participating in e-commerce, data centers, cell phone towers, and interestingly, self storage, that that really uh, had had were picking up some of that activity as as parts of the economy were 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 shutting down, and we were increasingly living digital lives in our homes. That was actually encouraging the use of other types of real estate. So I think one lesson is it's really important to have a broad-based portfolio of commercial real estate, 
and one that that really maps to what the economy is today. Uh, you know that that embraces the digital aspects of our our economy today, and that's one of the things where REITs have really been sort of on the front foot and have been leaders in terms of innovating in data centers, cell phone towers, integrated logistics centers. Um, I, as, as we look forward, you know, I think how are our lives going to change permanently because of COVID? You know, I, I think the most obvious is uh, is, is our, the role of the office in our lives and, and the impact of work from home. And, and as people, I think, at least for the near term, we're going to continue to see a lot of uh, experimentation around how people use offices. And, and ultimately, I think it's going to be, uh, it's an open question how that's going to impact demand uh, or how negatively it's going to impact demand uh, over the long term. You know, I, I think... We're also going to see uh, some sectors like retail that originally were, were really hard hit. But but over the longer term, what we've really seen is is more innovation, right, into multi-channel, multi-channel shopping. And I think an embrace of uh, by consumers of a, you know, shop here, buy online, buy online, pick up in store. And that that true uh, integration of online and retail, the retail shopping experience. The the the, the last piece is just, um, you know, I think we did see a jump ahead in terms of our digital lives. Uh, you know, increase the increased use of, uh, of video conferencing. Uh, you know, we've we've got uh, you know my eighty year old mother is is zoom doing zoom calls all the time. I never would have predicted that three years ago. It's become part and parcel of daily life. And, you know, all of that activity actually resides in real estate. Uh, so, so I'd say those, those are some of the, the key, some of the key, key takeaways. Interesting. One of the things that I love that, that Narit puts out is that uh, pie chart that's got all of the different types of REITs as they changed from, you know, 10 years ago to now. It's fascinating to see how everything's changing. I wanted to ask you about the two the two eyes that are troubling consumers right now, right? We've got inflation and interest rates. We're seeing that impact really heavily on the residential side. What are you seeing on the commercial end of things? Well, I think that that we're seeing, you know, certainly in Q2 earnings, we saw REIT earnings, you know, keep up and we saw REIT net operating income, uh, sort of the measure of, of the revenues that they're bringing in through their properties, net operating income actually grew uh, on a on a year-on-year basis uh, faster than the rate of inflation, and even on a same store basis, where where we hold the number of properties constant, uh, almost kept up with the rate of inflation. And that's really important because one of the ways that real estate has has historically provided inflation protection is by being having the ability. To, to pass through increases and pass through rent increases uh, that, that allow total revenue to, to rise you know, as fast or faster than the rate of inflation. And, and so we think the evidence is, is pretty good that, that like in previous inflation cycles, REITs are going to provide good inflation protection in this cycle. We, we've gone back and looked at the historic data, and historically, REITs, like other types of real estate, do provide some 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 nice inflation protection and tend to to meaningfully outperform the broader stock market during periods of moderate and high inflation, and I think the operational performance suggests that that we'll see the same in this cycle. And then on, on interest rates, you know, higher interest rates are 
are not going to be good for for any part of the economy. And I, I think we, we've got a real risk of an economic slowdown. But, but uh, in terms of how the higher interest rates are going to impact REITs directly, you know, they're, they're in a very good place in terms of how they've managed their balance sheets. They, they're coming into this rate tightening cycle uh, with, with leverage near historic lows, with interest expense at historic lows, and with the debt they do have very well termed out on their, on their balance sheets. So, so the, the term structure of that debt is out more than seven years now. So one of the things we've seen is that as rates have risen, we've seen REITs uh, really actually reduce the amount of debt they're issuing uh, because they don't have a lot of debt coming due immediately. So th- they've got a lot of flexibility to deal with a higher rate environment. So one thing I wanted to ask is this is not a normal market environment right now. I don't really know when it is a normal market environment or if there is such a thing. I don't, we always say, well, if, if it's not just a normal environment or just a normal recession or just, just a normal bull market or, you know, um, but what subsectors are really the, big performers right now. And what has really surprised you? For example, like I I read some of the industrial REITs earnings reports and they're getting something like 20% releasing spreads, which is just unprecedented. The, the, the success of industrial, even though it's a natural fit for e-commerce, a natural kind of catalyst, um, has really surprised me. So what has anything in the, in the real estate industry really surprised you over the past year or so? Well, I would say, you know, one of the big surprises uh, over the entirety of the, the COVID period to me has been the fact that if you if you look and, and you ask, what is the sector with the best stock market performance over over the entirety of the COVID period, really from, from you know, from early March 2020 through today, and it's actually self-storage, right? So, so and, and I, I think it's a, it's a, it, it shows in a way uh, how you know the consumers are some some in some ways always a step ahead of the analysts, right? We we understood going into COVID, retail was going to suffer, healthcare was going to suffer. This wasn't going to be good for hotels. We thought it was going to be good for the digital sectors, but the the impact on on self storage was really the second order effect, right? As people started spending more time in their homes, cleaning out the garage, teaching their kids in their basement, all the things we went through, they needed that to use that real real estate in a different way. And that that required them to go use self storage to house some of their belongings, but the persistence has been has been really strong. And, and self storage uh, actually actually had had very strong FFO growth in in the second quarter. So so self storage I think ha, has been one of those really really interesting stories. You know I, I think I think some of the other the other surprises uh, I would say was was across the board. I was a little bit surprised out of the Q2 earnings, the degree to which uh, REIT acquisitions actually held up. Uh, in a higher rate environment, we knew transactions in commercial real estate generally were falling uh, as, as, as you know, sort of buyers and sellers were, were really, in, in a way, taking time to coalesce around some new equilibrium pricing and cap rates in a higher rate environment. Uh, and we certainly saw REIT transactions volumes fall but even even with even with the current environment, we still saw about eighteen billion dollars in REIT transactions in the second quarter, and those you know those transactions end up being the driver of future earnings growth. So so it was good to see that hold up. 
Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because we we have been noticing that M&A activity. I mean, I just got the Prologis and Duke Realty prospectus uh, mailed to me. What are, so you mentioned some of the factors that are driving this, but is it, is it going to keep happening? And are we going to see more of these types of deals? Well, I think that um, over time, we're, we're likely to continue to see deals of the type that, that you know, I think Prologis and, and Duke is a good example. And, and these are actually the majority of deals by deal volume over the last couple of years are transactions that are from REIT to REIT within the same property sector. So, you know, we, we've seen a number of deals where REITs are focused on getting bigger, growing their operating pra- platform, lowering costs, slowing their cost of capital, and really getting prepared for future growth by, by, creating, by creating more size and scope. And, and I, I do think that uh, I think it's one of the most interesting trends in re- mergers and acquisitions. And, and my guess is it's something that over time, when it's strategically appropriate, uh, we'll see more of this. It's, and these are, these are deals that are really, I think, you know, they're not opportunistic. They're, they're strategic deals. Um, but I, I do think you know, we, we've seen these across a number of sectors. And my guess is that over the coming years, we're, we're going to see more of this because as, as real estate modernizes, as you're dealing with more, uh, more real estate that, that is engaging with the modern digital economy, I think that, that the value of that operating platform and the ability for REITs to have world-class operating platforms that, that add significant value to shareholders uh, becomes, becomes a more and more important part of the business. And so scale and scope really can, can help in that way. I hope you're right that we see more of that type of M&A. We've also seen a lot of REITs being taken private by private equity, a trend that I'm not personally a fan of because um, just to name one, American Campus Communities was recently taken private. Um, and I would have rather had seen the next 10 years of that growth story play out rather than just get a little, you know, a little quick bump from, from the, the premium of the buyout. Um, do you, what's fueling that trend? Is there just a lot of investor money sitting on the sidelines? Is it a more way, more attractive way to invest in real estate than just buying properties? You know, I think that, that, and, and, you know, some, some of these deals that they're not technically going private, they're, they're going into the non-listed REIT space. Uh, so those, those are still uh, REITs that, that investors have access to. Uh, so, so, you know, I think a, a lot of that activity, it is still in the public REIT space, but not, they're not listed on the stock exchange. And one of the one of the things about REITs that I think has helped them really outperform over the last over the long term out and to be one of the, if not the best performing vehicle for commercial real estate, uh, has been the strong corporate governance and and you know ha- having shareholder control and and one side of that coin is uh, when when a, when there's a bid out there, uh, you know the 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 leadership and the board uh, has to respond to that and and so so when when uh, when a bid comes in that that values a, a REIT significantly above where they're trading they need to take a close look at that and and do what's in the shareholder best interest and so you know I, I think that that when you see these deals and virtually all of these deals that we've seen over the last couple of years have happened at very significant premiums to where the where the stock is trading. Uh, you really have to look at that and say, well, well, that's what we expect from good corporate governance. I always remind people that the cloud isn't in the cloud. It's in it's in data centers. So many of the tech companies that we love, well, 
their their REIT clients, all, you know, all over the place. If you could look into the future, thinking about that pie chart, is there any sector that you think is small now that's going to be really big? You know, uh, that's that's a great question. I, I think that uh, you know one of the sectors we've seen uh, some some growth in. Uh, it, it's not even an independent sector yet. They're they're in specialty right now. Uh, is gaming and leisure pro- uh, properties. So so properties that are are having triple net leases with with gaming companies. I think that's an area where where we'll see continued growth. I think that that we're going to also see. The, the property sectors that we have continue to evolve. So if you think about industrial, which is a traditional property sector, but what we call industrial properties today, which are really you know uh, logistics facilities, I mean, they're very different from the warehouses of 20 years ago. And I think we're going to see throughout our property sectors uh, continued innovation and change and, and continued uptake of, of a lot of interesting prop tech that is going to, you know, Change change the way uh, the tenants interact with with the property and continue to grow and evolve what we think of as as real estate. Really, really interesting to th- kind of think of the future of real estate and what's evolved. Just kind of by looking back, when you think you mentioned industrial, I mean today's industrial properties don't look anything like they used to. Even with malls, I would I would go so far as to say today's malls don't look anything like the malls of you know twenty thirty years ago. So, uh, Absolutely, it's a totally different, totally different shopping experience today than than uh, you know when I was a teenager in New Jersey going to the mall. It's a totally different experience, and and uh, and, and even even you know strip centers, grocery stores, uh, big box stores, the whole experience has changed through uh, and continues to change because of because of multi channel multi channel retailing. Investors need to know that when things evolve, like the, you know, consumers demand different kinds of malls that creates opportunities for these, for, for REITs to, to adapt to changing tastes. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, when, when you think about a property sector like office where, you know, where there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, there, that's, that uncertainty is also opportunity, right? Um, so for, uh, if, when you get the model right, uh, and, and you get, uh, the pricing right, that creates a real opportunity and a, and a lot of upside potential. What would you like people to want to know about NAREIT or REIT investing in general right now in 2022? You know, I'll, I'll really finish where we started, which is, uh, you know, we think, and, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of empirical evidence and data that suggests, you know, having real estate as part of a portfolio is absolutely critical. You know, commercial real estate represents about uh, 15 to 20% of the investable universe in the United States. Uh, we, we've done a lot of portfolio optimizations that actually suggest somewhere in that range is, is the exposure to commercial real estate that, that, that is appropriate in an optimal portfolio. And REITs are the way that, that uh, the vast majority of investors are actually getting that exposure in the US. So, uh, so, so they're really worth exploring and, and there's a lot of different active and passive strategies to, to bring them into a portfolio. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.